Welcome to the Break Plateau Show, where the life experience of others helps you break plateaus in your health, health, wealth, wealth, and relationships. And relationships. Here's your host, Ty. All right, all right. Welcome back to the Break Plateaus Show. And today we've got my man Angelo on the show. Welcome, brother. Oh, man. Thank you so much for having me, King. No worries at all. And I'm looking forward to getting into this because you've got a pretty cool story and we've been introduced via our man, Mark England. He's so good at connecting like-minded individuals together. So again, appreciation to Mark for the connection and yeah, really looking forward to jumping into your story and your journey throughout life. Oh, I'm excited and big shout out to the, I call him my wordsmith Buddha, Mark England, my man. (laughs) Hell yeah. So just for the listeners, just to kick things off, let's get a bit of a context on to enter who you are and, and what you do in the world and what your life experience is all about. Yeah, wonderful. I grew up just outside of Chicago and I'm approaching my 38th birthday uh, next month. And I grew up in a small, predominantly Italian-American culture and I uh, grew up and uh, my father was in prison for 11 years from 5 to 16, which really was a big shift in my life. I mean, obviously, it was a very big thing to leave when I was going to kindergarten and come home. And my I had a driver's license. So you can only imagine the gap of a father there. And I was so fortunate now that I look at it that even though my father wasn't physically there, he was there verbally, and I was able to also find different mentors from the masculine side that I may not have had access to if he was there, because I probably wouldn't have been looking for him. So the divine wouldn't have casted some different people in my life. And I was able to take what I really believe is the best of these mentors and learning from them and really cultivating who I was. And uh, at 20 years old, I was in a really bad motorcycle accident. I was in the hospital for two months and rehab for five. I was hit by a landscaping truck. And by the time I was 25, I was 300 pounds. And I discovered CrossFit through watching the movie 300 in 2008. And then I promised myself that I was going to be the New Year's resolution in 2009. And I lost 95 pounds doing CrossFit on my own. And then I started training people outside for a fee. And then from September of 09 to October of 2010, I rented a small wreck of ball court space. And then I decided that it was time for me to embark on opening uh, my own CrossFit facility. And in 2010, I opened up O'Hare CrossFit. And I spent the 2010s predominantly in the CrossFit strength and conditioning world. And it was a beautiful time. My gym expanded to about 250 members by 2013. I wound up being able to consult for around four to 500 gyms worldwide. I spoke all over the country and uh, as far as South Africa to do seminars and things like that. Coached athletes to the CrossFit gym, uh, CrossFit Games, opened up gyms, and I had a really great time doing that. And around 2014, After having this early success early on, I really believe that once I was able to make six figures, that was a number very young that I determined uh, was going to be the number 
to make me happy because a lot of my issues growing up that my parents had were centered around money. And once I made the money, I figured out that they had their own issues and it wasn't really the money. And sure enough, when I made the money, I that allowed me the space to uncover that I had more issues than just money too. And so I began a real deep self-actualization journey and started coming out to Southern California in late 2015, early 2016. And I met these hippie people, people barefoot, you know, walking around. And I grew up in Chicago where most Italians are just Catholic and that's what we do. And then this idea of meditating and mindfulness and all this stuff, you're like, you got to be kidding me. And um, I came home from a retreat. Someone I knew at my gym, I was explaining to them about all these amazing things or things that I felt were amazing about going back through my childhood and looking at these stories and different things like that. And they made fun of me. They thought I was really just crazy. And I said, well, you don't understand stuff because you're not an alpha hippie. And I was like, man, that's a cool name. That's a name that... I really identify with right now in life. And so I went online to see if I could just buy a shirt that said Alpha Hippie because I wanted to wear it and there was no shirts, Ty. And I said, screw it, I'll make my own. And so behind me here, I have the original logo and I drew it and I printed out a hundred shirts because I had a great contact with a printer through my gym. And I said, I'm going to pass these shirts out to everyone that digs my vibe and digs this alpha hippie vibe. And I would go all over the world, Costa Rica and these different retreats and everything like that. And I just was passing out the shirt and anyone that felt inspired to, I said, Hey, listen, go on Instagram, tag alpha hippie. And I want you to just write out what it means to be an alpha hippie from your definition with your shirt on. And I was like, awesome. And people were just doing it. It was super fun. And then I was like, how can I stay connected to this community without necessarily traveling all the time? Because that just once a quarter is great. But I wanted more, right? I wanted to continue to do it. So I said, man, I could start a podcast. Mm. And so in 2017, I believe, I did the first episode, maybe 2018 of the LVP podcast. We're around... 250 or 260. Now, I don't know the number, but just wherever we're, it's been going pretty much on since then. I took a little break while we were moving here. But other than that, it's been going on. And then also, what I noticed is my love for strength and conditioning was there, but my passion for what I wanted to teach and guide wasn't fitness anymore. And I started thinking about, well, if it's not fitness, because I felt like I did as much as I could there as far as like my resume. I just mentioned that. So where would I want to teach now and help people? Because before it was to help people lose weight, feel better and develop a good physical practice. And then I stumbled on the the truth that when a man isn't showing up and full of self-esteem and vigor and living an inspired life and having integrity and just these beautiful concepts that are now part of the program that I teach, it really pisses me off. And I grew up in a world where 
if you had a problem, you shamed it and bullied it away. And I realized that, you know, after trial and error, of course, that that's not how you really solve problems, bro. And uh, so I created the first program and course in 2018. And by that time, the gym was running itself and I had great people there. So I had so much time to focus on helping men and guiding men. And my son was born in 2019 and in September of 2019. And right before he was born, I realized that one of my roles of being a father would be to give this boy security and comfort. But my true role is to teach this boy how to become a man and live an inspired and bold life and a courageous life. And that's really what my father wanted for me. Just his methods may not have been as great as I would have hoped they were, but the lesson was there. And so I spoke with my wife and shared with her my feelings about not wishing to be in this crossed identity. And she really understood. And I said, well, with that, stepping into this, we could live anywhere else we wanted to. And a month after my son was born, we realized that we wanted to get out of Chicago for a number of reasons and raise our son in Southern California in this more environment, nature, being in more in touch with nature, and also seeing me do something that's really inspiring in life versus me being just comfortable making, uh, you know, 150, 200,000 a year and just acting like this is what life is because this wasn't what I would have been demonstrating to him by staying in Chicago from my point of view would have not been what life really is. It would have been a false version of life for him to see and a false version of me because I don't want a model that it was everything's just great. You have to earn that. And so we moved out here last. I sold my gym and moved out here June of 2020. And we've been here a year and a half. And now I live in Southern Orange County in San Clemente. And I spend my days being on wonderful podcasts, hosting mine and growing and developing of the Alpha Hippie brand as a whole, and then coaching men through my program and courses. Hell yeah, man. That is an epic story. And how's all the transitions throughout that? That's pretty big because I feel that a lot. And I've had those similar sort of stages in life where you're in that comfortable position where you could say, yeah, okay, I'm doing fine, doing all those sorts of things. And you said just there that you want to show up for your son and show him that it's not just all okay, just because you've got the income that you've set out to get and you've achieved that. And then you're sitting in that comfortable position. But what you really want is to do this alpha hippie and be able to be wherever you want in the world. And that's showing your son right there that you're becoming that father archetype of being able to show up and do whatever you want with your life. So that's super powerful, man. Yes. Thank you. And to answer your question, Ty, it's um, the most challenging thing that I've realized as an adult is to volunteer discomfort and seek it because so easy to get wrapped up into comfort. It's just part of human nature and I really believe that the masculine source of energy in a family, and that could be from the female at times, is to volunteer themselves 
and put themselves into situations where they must thrive and show up. And this idea of like a rite of passage sort of that boys go through, I really believe as you want to grow into an adult and continue to evolve and grow as a person, we have to volunteer ourselves into rites of passages, whereas a kid, you are thrown into one because that's how your tribe or the outside world of nature gives you. And so for me, the hardest part is accepting that that's my role and doing that for myself and putting myself in those situations. Because a lot of people that I've met and even myself for a period of time, we get caught up in our fear and we avoid it by using words like responsibilities, right? In certain terms, people use, I have responsibilities now. I can't take risk, right? Taking risk is saying that I'm up for a challenge and I'm going to show up. And that becomes a rite of passage. And over the last year and a half, creating stability in my life has been the toughest rite of passage because I am married, because I have a child, because I moved to a place that I know four people or I knew four people. And newsflash for everyone, California is much more expensive than I ever thought it would be because my living expenses more than doubled when I moved out here the day I moved out here, right? And so it's voluntarily stretched me to have to grow. I have no other choice but to grow. And so it's been absolutely amazing. I just finished. And just before we got on, I got it back. I wrote a book. Oh, that's a lot about what I've learned specifically over my lifetime. But zooming in now, looking at it, what I've really learned about being a man this last year and a half and how we could help other men. And so I have the new edits all sent over to me. I have to start reading that, looking through that for it, because this is our last edit before we start moving into the book itself. And it's been just such an amazing experience. I've been alive. That's what I try to explain to people. I've been the most alive I've been in a long time. And alive is all the feelings, happiness, fear, doubt, joy, bliss, excitement, depression, anxiety. It's all of them, right? Mm -hmm. To me, that's being alive. And so volunteering that is probably the most difficult thing I've ever do in my life. And I trust now more than ever that I'll give myself time of comfort. And then I know now after a certain amount of comfort, I'm a grower and it's time for me to grow more and then fallen in and throw myself into a deep end, and figure out how I'm going to swim in this new pool. Absolutely, man. And I feel that because I'm in a similar headspace. If I find myself just really going through the motions over and over again, I get bored pretty easy and that shows up in my life with the amount of times I've changed job titles or identity shifts, like going from working on a golf course to a fly and fly out tradie to a personal trainer to a bodybuilder and then to a naturopath now to running a marketing agency. Like I love that process of learning and growing. Like if I feel like I'm just on that hamster reel over and over again, like to me, that's not living. It's not experiencing life. As you just said, Waiting to die. Yep. Yep. Spot on, man. So 
that's brought up a bit for me as well. Like listening to you, you've you've got a very alpha persona about you and I love the wording around alpha hippie. So can we dive into that a little bit more? Because something for me, I haven't shared this on the podcast before, but tapping into all emotions as you were just saying before. And it's been quite hard for me up until the last, I would say the last 12 months to express those emotions of pain because growing up and really being vulnerable and to me growing up I always got told don't you cry or I'll give you something to cry about right so for me I hadn't cried a lot throughout my whole 20s because to me that looked like weakness and you don't share that vulnerability but now the individuals that I'm connecting with like people like yourself and I listen to you on that one time on psychedelics that podcast and you expressing those emotions I was like Dude, this is, this is amazing listening to alpha men and men like yourself having the ability to share those emotions. And up until, yeah, I had my ayahuasca journey and then my newborn son, Oki born, it's been quite hard for me to feel into that crying position and, and really release those emotions. And there's different types of cries that I've realized now, like there's happiness cries, there's pain cries, there's there's all different types. So I'd love to dive into that and unpack that a little bit from your point of view, because you work with a lot of men and dealing with their emotions. How do we change that headspace around being vulnerable and sharing our emotions as men? The easiest way I could try to explain this is Often, and you shared this, that when you grew up or growing up, if you cry, I'm going to give you something to cry about. I really believe what stunts a lot of men from even tapping into their emotions or continuing to just validate their own feelings and move through them is we judge them because they were harshly judged in the beginning. Mm. And if we could look at emotions without any sort of judgment, they are just emotions. So when someone says, when I tell people I'm tired and then they look at me like something's wrong or bad, I go, it's just a feeling. It's natural. What's the big deal about me being tired? What's the big deal about me being sad? These are natural states. But being in that place where we judge them, we're attached to them, we think it's about us and identity. And that's what I mean by, first of all, you don't need to judge either one because they're all, it's like the wind. They will all go away once you don't judge them and want them to be anything other than they are. And that's what I try to get men to see, first of all, is they're really not a big deal. Yeah. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, even when you're really angry, it's really not a big deal. Your anger is going to go away if you don't judge it or continue to think about it or give it so much power. It's just an emotion. You can move through hurt so fast if you don't judge it, right? Because the game is, in my opinion, is to not give the good emotions even a label, what's a good emotion and bad emotion. It's just an emotion. Mm. It shouldn't even have a context to it. And our culture has then taken a context to an emotion or a judgment of emotion, even on top of judging who is allowed to have it and who's not. 
It's just really no big deal. I could come home with a smile on my face and go, I'm in a bad mood right now. I'm aggravated. I don't want to talk to anyone. But what's the big deal? Give me the afternoon. I'll go, you know, take a walk on the beach, watch the sunset, smoke a joint, cry that I get to watch this beautiful sunset, and then it's gone. (laughs) But if I continue to sit there and go, I'm mad. This person made me mad. And they're this person and they're that person. And they did this to me. And the rabbit hole that comes from further judgment and criticizing and giving value to the emotion is what plagues anyone, man or female, to do that. The only hard part I give for the man is, is that we were more harshly judged for expressing our emotions, therefore, a way to overcome that trauma or survive. Many men have chosen to repress them or only express them in ways that culture sees it's okay. So it's more appropriate for me in culture. This is so strange. Instead of saying I'm sad, it's easier for me to be angry, yell at someone because that's what I'm supposed to do because I'm a man. But deep down, it's because I'm sad anyway. Yeah, wow. That's so spot on. (laughs) That's so spot on. Right? And so I just say, man, dude, you're sad. Go do something that doesn't help you be sad. Acknowledge that you're sad. Validate your own feelings. If that means you cry, go cry. If that means you want to go journal, go journal. If that means you want to go and, like I said, I'd love to go when I'm having harder days. I'm so grateful that I live 10 minutes Walk from the beach and roll a little joint, little fifty. I'm a 50 50 kind of guy, spliff. Yeah. Okay. And I go, babe, I'll be back in an hour. And she, you know, my wife knows what I'm going to go do. And I go sit on a bench and I watch the sunset and I enjoy my life. And then I feel whatever I'm feeling that day. If I'm feeling grateful. I cry out of gratitude. If I'm sad, I cry out of sadness. Right. I let my anger subside and then I figure out what part do I feel violated about. And I validate my own goddamn feelings because I'm an adult. I don't need someone else to validate my own. And then I move through them just like you can move through anything. Mm, That's so, so good, man. And I love hearing that from an individual like yourself because that alpha hippie model there that's that's it to the spot on right and looking up to men like yourself that have that alpha image and then also showing up and expressing emotions in an effective way and being able to sit with that that is super powerful so i do have a bit of a question for you around that because some people listening to this might go all right you know angelo's figure this out for himself but me i feel super stuck So what are some easy first steps for men or even for women that are listening to this show that may be having a bit of a hard time to deal with their emotions and kind of lean into them and feel them and then work through them? What are some simple ways to do that that for the everyday individual? Great. So this is a really great question. Adulthood to me is very misunderstood. And what I mean by this is we could become adults physically, yet emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, you have to work to become an adult. Mm. Physically, it happens 
naturally, right? We go through puberty, we grow up, we grow taller. It's happening for us. It's We're not in charge of it. But this other side of becoming an adult, we're in charge of it. And what's important about that when I say that everyone's in charge of it, their own, is that we eliminate the idea of dependency on another person or the external world to give us validation and growth. So when our brains are developing, we first develop a lizard brain, which is designed to help us survive. Then there's this animal brain that really is another level of surviving, but it's also based on community, tribalism, things of that nature. Now, the last part of our brains to develop is the prefrontal cortex. And that's what separates us from every other animal in the world. That's our superpower, right? We'll never be able to run like a leopard and cheetah, but God dang it, we could figure read things out and we have reason. And what I tell people is the prefrontal cortex becomes the parent cortex. So I look at my cortex as the parent of my inner child. I am my own mommy and daddy, and I still am my little boy. And I even call myself by a childhood name. So my parents, my father just texted me this morning, and he said, good morning, Angie. So as a little boy, I was called Angie. So I call my little boy Angie. And anytime I'm feeling fear, resentment, any negative sort of non-abundant mindset, I go, okay, Angie, what's on your mind right now? What story are you telling yourself? What do you think that that means? And then I go, first of all, I love you and you're safe. You got me now. No one's going to, I say the swear word, no one's going to F with you because I got your back, bro. And I got you all the way like no one else will ever have you. No one's going to overlook you now because I'm here. And then all of a sudden, just by doing that and having that internal conversation, I feel safe enough that I could slow down. And having that dialogue between my prefrontal cortex, my parent cortex, and my little inner child has helped me enough through a lot of experiences. Do I love breathing practices? Absolutely. Paramount to any of that, I do not know how anyone could live without some sort of consistent journaling practice. And to me, a journal is not just about waking up and writing three things you're grateful for and all blah, blah, blah. It's just about getting things out of you because if they're inside of you, they own you. So I wake up every day and I have a journal in my bathroom. You know, this might be too much information, but pee or poop, I just sit down every morning when I wake up and I write whatever my mind says, positive, negative. I joke with people. I go, I wake up, I take a physical dump and a mental dump every day. I love that. Before I do anything else, before I brush my teeth, all that. I let out what I don't need everywhere. So my day is already at neutral. And to me, that has been such a saving grace. And it's not even about going back and reading it. I rarely go back and read it. It's just letting it out of me 
has been such an important thing. And I would say that parenting myself and using the journal on a regular basis to just let out these things, because if our thoughts compound in similar thoughts, we could drive ourselves crazy. But if I journal them out of me, I have no attachment to the next thought. It's already out of me and behind me, but it's the repetitive building of one thought down a rabbit hole of another, that this means this, and this means that, that this means that, that this means that, and this says this, and then I'm on a radar looking for that. And then I completely manifest what I don't want in my life because my thoughts become my radar. So if I could write it all out of me, my radar is just clear and open to be present. Yeah, wow, man. That's been, I reckon, hands down the best explanation of that talking about the brain and then how effective journaling really is. And that's something that I hadn't realized for quite some time is journaling isn't about just writing three things that you're grateful for. And I love how you said a physical dump, then a brain dump, because that's what I've been calling it is a brain dump. It's just whatever's there. And that's a massive tip for people because it's all too common for individuals to wake up in the morning, what's the first thing that most people do? They'll check their phone and they'll check that, they'll go straight for that gratification of likes or whatever. And then they'll see something that's more often than not, social media is not that positive depending on what you're following. And, and if you're getting like news articles and, and doom and gloom at the start of the day, that's quite an anxious way to start your day. So I love that, that you start your day off without any distractions. It's just what's in your head. And then dumping that onto paper while you're having a dump. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's just a full dump, baby. We're getting it all out of us. Every hole we could think of, any direction. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. And that's the common thing, eh? Like sitting on the toilet with your phone, scrolling the gram or scrolling Facebook. Why not journal while you're doing it, huh? Yeah, and just knock it out. And it's also great, too, for me to do it right when I wake up because my consciousness isn't up yet. Mm. It's still coming out of that dreamlike state where my subconscious brain is still running the show. So when you go to sleep, what your dreams are usually is ruminating through the subconscious. And you don't have consciousness to try to block it out or give it some false meaning. Your dream is your dream. You don't have any defense to it. And so when I do it, as soon as I wake up, I actually write the deepest truths, the things that I'm really scared of, the things that I don't even share with my wife, the things that I don't share with anyone. It's my truth write this piece of paper in a blank notebook becomes something that is my deepest companion because it's deeper than even what my conscious brain wants to even admit. Yeah, that's spot on, man. And diving into that a little bit more when you said about having a story in your head and then that means this and that means that, like stacking things on over and over again, that's something that I've caught myself with quite a lot and something that I really wasn't aware that I was doing. Like a perfect example of that was when I was starting out my personal training career, I would stack things on because the gym didn't open in the time frame that it said that it was going to. So I didn't have income or the potential to gain clients. So then I started stacking things. Oh, if the gym doesn't open this week, 
I'm going to run out of more money. If I run out of more money, I'm going to lose the rental that I'm living in. If I lose that, then I'm not going to be able to personal train. And that's what I quit FIFO for. So you start stacking things on and build this massive story and all this anxiety around just one single little thing that's got options. It's not just that one direction. It could be the complete opposite direction that it could go. Absolutely. And then what winds up happening is just by nature, we're, we're made to survive. An animal wants to survive. And so we're really good at spotting threats, which is great, which is very important for survival. And at the same time, though, it's based off a scarcity mindset because surviving versus thriving is the difference between fundamentally between a scarcity mindset and an abundance mindset. Yeah, man. Well, I've got a couple more questions for you. So um, I'm going to follow. baby. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. So listening to you on that one time on psychedelics, like I loved that episode that you and Ryan put together. So there's another thing there that I, I want to touch on a little bit more too, because I feel like, Again, this is somewhere where I caught myself in previous relationships is not being vulnerable with my partner and not showing showing up and being vulnerable to that partner. So that is something that I've been a lot better at with my partner, Sky, now is being more vulnerable with her. And that's like really catapulted our relationship by communicating. That's all it really is. And then being there and, and being vulnerable in front of Sky has been able to like it's it's just yeah, catapulted our relationship. And can we touch on that a little bit from your perspective on, because it takes a lot, I feel, for men to express themselves, even to their partners at home, to be completely vulnerable because, again, it feels quote-unquote weak. I really believe a lot of people struggle with it because of fear of rejection, Mm. fear of being judged. And that's such a deep ingrained thing with us because to go back to the brain, that second part of our brain has a deep fear about being get kicked out of a tribe, a group. That because in long time ago, and even in animals, they know that if they're in a group, it improves their chance of surviving. And if someone has done something that they're ashamed of or not proud of, on top of just the prefrontal cortex telling a story about that, we have a deep ingrained thought process that's in our DNA and our genetics that if I did something wrong, I may be kicked out of the tribe, unaccepted. And once we're able to express our emotions and feelings, we all share in that idea that we do not, we all have a fear deep down that we don't want to get kicked out of the tribe, especially if we enjoy it. We don't want to be rejected from the tribe and the people that we love. And once you're with someone that understands that and could feel for that and develop empathy for that and you for them, intimacy and conversation just flow. Mm. And I'm so grateful that I have a wife that really understands that. So she doesn't go into her own insecurities as I share. She knows that even though what I have, what I'm insecure about, we both fundamentally do not want to get kicked out of the tribe. And we're both committed to each other 
that we're not going to kick each other out of the tribe. That's why we're married. That's what marriage is saying, is that we are a tribe. Two is a tribe. And no matter what we do, nothing is above this tribe. Nothing, no issue can break this tribe. And that's the test of true commitment and partnership in this world, is can we put the relationship above any and all issues so that the tribe could always be together? And the people that could do that will grow deeper and stronger tribes. But the people that resort to their insecurities and go from a we to an I will lose connection. Wow, man. I just felt that big time. <laughs> and that rolls over, right, to growing your tribe as well. Showing up as, as a father figure or a mother figure. If we are expressing our vulnerabilities to each other, each other as partners and then crossing that over to our children... How good is that? Like we are creating like that normality of sharing emotions, sharing vulnerability with each other and our children are going to pick that up and then carry that into their lives. Like that's massive. Absolutely. And to even carry on over this, there is so much wrapped up into when parents are in disagreement in front of their children. If they could understand that basic fundamental of there's nothing going on that's going to break this tribe, most arguments and disagreements don't go to a level that you would even be ashamed to have them in front of your children because it stays a we. It stays in the we frame. But the moment someone resorts to being insecure and that turns into an I, we become opposition and then it becomes almost like a survival want to kill someone. And that's how fighting and conflicts really escalate beyond just the little issue at first that there was a disagreement about. Yeah. Oh yeah. I hear that. And another thing that has come up for us recently as well is the way that we speak to Oki, our, our newborn little boy. And it's, it's just automatic because of social conditioning and, and the way that we've grown up that whenever he cries, it's like, oh, it's okay, it's okay. But then I've caught myself saying, it's okay, it's okay. But it's like, maybe it's not okay for Oki at the moment. Maybe he is feeling some pain and changing that wording from it's okay to I hear you, I'm here for you, I'm being here with you. And I'm going to work through this with you. Like that's been a massive shift for us. And it came up at uh, the dinner table a couple of nights ago with a couple of our friends who are also fresh parents as well. And yeah, they, we were having a full conversation about the language that we say to our children, because that again, shapes their whole reality as well, right? Absolutely. So um, I have a son and I look at him and talk to him like he's an adult. I don't even call him baby. I don't call him boy. I look at him and say that this is a man in training. And this is a man that just doesn't know how to be a man yet. So if I talk to him like he's a little boy, he's going to act like a little boy. If I talk to him like he's a man that just doesn't understand, he responds in that way. 
so more calm. And uh, my wife and I have this thing where he's not being disobedient. He's disoriented. Yeah, I like that. So how can I help him become more oriented? Because he just doesn't understand what's happening. He's not trying to be mean to us or to the world or do something destructive. He's just not, he's not being disobedient. He's disoriented. And I even look at people that way now in an everyday sense is when someone's really aggravated or not in a good state, I go, oh, they're just disoriented. How can I help them become more oriented? Well, if someone's crying, me yelling at them is not going to orient them. How is that fixing the situation or me shaming him? Does that really fix the situation long term? No. So that's how I, I really choose to parent, especially because I'm a father with a son. And so I, I even call him my king. I love that. And I just say, hey, my son's name is Santiago. Go, Santi, my king, what's cracking, buddy? Tell me about your day. And yeah. we, I talk to him like he's an adult. And then he responds to things in that way now. How good is that? That's amazing, man. I love that that thinking of talking to them as if they are adults as well because they're going to respond in whatever way you are expressing yourself to them. And, yeah, that's a really cool paradigm shift there. But – um. A lot has come up for me stepping into fatherhood, right, as well. And a lot has come up from my childhood conditioning. And it's been a really big process over this few weeks into fatherhood because it's like, okay, cool. I've got a lot of patterns that I want to change that aren't my best self that I don't want Oki to also carry on in his life. So what do I want him to do? So that's the, the way I'm kind of looking at things now is like if I'm starting to make changes in the way that I want to show up as a father, as a partner, as a business owner, as a person who serves, then that's what I need to practice and, and show, show that up for Oki so that he carries those patterns on, not the disempowering thoughts that can kind of get you into that stacking mode of, oh, I'm looking for all those bad areas in life. So that's been a bit of a process early on in, in this fatherhood journey for me. Has it been similar for you when you first had your little boy? Yeah, I've, I've done quite a bit of study and, and, and research and coaches and, and guidance through this even before we became parents. And so here's what I've learned and I practice. When a child comes into this world, they believe that they are a part of their mother. They don't see the mother separate from them. So what the mother really teaches the son or child is how to treat themselves. Okay? Mm -hmm. Now, what the father is, is how is their first relationship that they have with the world? So the father teaches them how to deal with the external. Now, what's interesting about the father is, is fathers and the masculine teach by modeling. So it's whatever you do and not what you say is what they will learn. So however a father shows up is how a child will treat the world. So when my father used to say, do as I say, not as I do, the man was completely wrong. They will model the father's behavior when it comes to the world. And so 
for me, the fathers have such a, both sides at different periods of life have such a tough job. For men, though, in the father role, it's you have to walk the walk because whatever steps, whatever way you walk is the way the child will walk. What, like you know what I mean in, in, in all the ways and it's such a it brings such awareness to yourself and to me to what am I doing right now who am I being in front of this boy who's going to turn into a man and how, whatever I do he's going to believe it's okay to do to everyone in the world yeah that's solid man I love that's a massive learning for me right there so do as you should or how you would like your children to do throughout life. And that's going to be a ripple effect leading on to generations. Yeah, we are the modelers. We learn by modeling. We learn from what we see. And then that's how we teach as well. Hell yeah. Man. Masculine side of that. Hell yeah. I love that, man. Well, we'll begin to wrap this up a little bit because I'm wary of both of our time. We've got a bit on today. But... um. Just before we do, I've got a couple of questions for you, as per usual. So, just for a moment, have a think out of all of your life experience. What is one piece of advice that you could leave for the listeners that could help them improve their health, their wealth, or their relationship, or a combination of the three? Great. I believe that it's essential for growth and essential for anyone to act advance in life by identifying their hero anchor story. And uh, I'm going to talk about a movie and that'll help sink this home. There's a movie called Forrest Gump. It's probably one of the most popular movies of all time. There's a scene early on in the movie where you learn Forrest Hero's anchor story. And it's the scene where he has braces on his legs And the kid throws a rock in his face and Jenny tells him, run, Forrest, run. Mm -hmm. And Forrest starts running and all of a sudden his braces break. And there's a moment that he doesn't realize the braces are broken. And he looks down and he sees that they broke. And he develops a resolve in himself because now he knows how to embrace life and handle the toughest situations and how to survive. Because even in the movie, from that day on, from that moment, if I was going anywhere, I was running. And the rest of the movie shows him in every situation where he didn't know what to do in life, he ran. He went to college football and all he did was run. He became a war hero because all he knew what to do was run. He became great at trimping because all he knew what to do was run. And so in the external world, it's so important to learn and identify a moment in your life that you faced some sort of trauma and how you survived it. And then use it as an affirmation, run, forest, run. I had a story that happened to me, and it was the thing that I have is don't stop. So anytime that I'm in a situation where I must survive and go deeper, I know that I'm not going to stop. 
And most adults do not take risks, advance in their life because they don't know this about themselves. So they don't trust themselves and live in a paradigm of self-doubt forever because they don't know that they're heroes and they don't know that they have a superpower that was developed through trauma. And without this hero anchor story and knowing what it is, you will be conditioned to not take risk, seek comfort, and not advance in your life. And that's not what you were put on earth to do. Bro, that was absolutely amazing. That is spot on, bro. That is, I'm going to listen back to this a few times. Absolutely. This is going to be a bit of a self-inquiry episode that I'll come back to and listen to quite a few times. But um, before we wrap this up any further, I would like for you to share everything that you're doing with Alpha Hippie. How can the listeners get in touch with you? What are the things that you've got going on in your life that you can share with the listeners? Yeah, absolutely wonderful. Thank you. So I am alphahippie.com. I am Alpha Hippie on all the good social media channels. As I mentioned earlier, I'm writing a book and I've written a book and we're through the editing process. So that'll be out next year. And we took, we just started our last group of course for the men for 2021. Yet we'll be opening up new groups and cohorts uh, early 2022, where we, the work that Alpha Hippie does besides the podcast and connecting and doing things of that nature is we have programs for men where it's really getting them familiar with these concepts and helping them become the most unstuck. And what I like to refer to as we help men go pro become professional men, because no matter what you want to accomplish in life, no matter what role you take, husband, father, entrepreneur, whatever you are, whatever other role there is, any mask that you put on, that's what I call roles. If there's a pro man under that mask, everything will work itself out. If the man isn't a pro, the roles will ultimately suffer. Dude, I love it. And all I can say is I really appreciate all your time, all your wisdom. And dude, you've got some great experiences there. And I loved all those stories. They hit home for me there. And I really appreciate it. So grateful to be on the show, King. I love how you come and bring this energy to the show. And like I said, I've hosted a bunch of podcasts, been on a bunch, and I could tell that your questions are deeply genuine from a great listener and someone that's a truth seeker. And from one to another, I appreciate you and want to recognize you for that as well, King. Absolutely. Thank you very much, my man. I appreciate those kind words and I'm sure we'll be running this back in the future and we'll be connecting further, moving through this life experience. Looking forward to it, King. Thank you. Cheers, bro. Cheers. Thanks for listening to The Break Plateau Show. If you like this episode, leave us a five-star review. Connect with us on Instagram at break.plateaus. And as always, head over to breakplateaus.com and get the show notes and more free resources.